Thank you for joining me on another episode of Realizing Femininity. As a reminder, my podcast is homegrown. So what does that mean, guys? For those of you who are new to the podcast, that means that you're going to hear some background noises. You may hear a dog. You may hear a car. I mean, for this episode, because I recorded it over time, there was even some rain. (sighs) The good news is I am looking into purchasing a microphone. Yay! That's going to help, hopefully, to reduce any background noises in the future. So here's hoping and thank you for listening. Because femininity is such a loaded word, I'll preface this by saying I think all women possess feminine attributes. But when I think of iconic women who embody femininity in culture, what resonates with me is a woman who is gentle but strong in her approach, one who leads people without force. She is careful with her words, her decisions, her circle, and her body. I think of a woman that is radiant and demands attention when she walks in the room. She's self-aware and knows her self-worth and is confident, intelligent but not arrogant. I feel like her empathy and kindness and nurturing nature is kind of infectious, which um, attracts so many people to her, men and women alike. And I know we like to focus a lot on inner beauty, but I also think of outer beauty. When I think of feminine women, I think of a woman that's um, well put together, poised, appropriately dressed at all times. She has a unique style about her. She's not stuffy. There's a mystique and air, like an aura that you really want to get to know her. Um, And to be very honest, I aspire to be this kind of woman. Hello, my fam fam. How are you guys doing? I know it's been a while since you've heard from me. And, you know, I have to say that what's been going on is that there have been several things happening in my personal life, you know, and they had me distracted. I'll I'll, I'll admit that they had me distracted for a minute. And I can tell you, I am just so happy to be recording again. And, you know, before I delve in to the topic, I, I, I just been thinking about, you know, some of the things that have been distracting me in my personal life. Um, you know, I've had school going on, um, a lot of things changing for me on my job. And another big problem that I must say that I've, I've had was trying to find a quiet space, find the time to actually sit down and record and you know in the spirit of a girl's gotta do what a girl's gotta do I'm actually sitting in my parking lot at work (laughs) before I enter in to get this done you know so here's to getting things done right (laughs) and I really want to thank the people who who encouraged me along the way um 
because that's important. You know, we, we don't live on an island. We don't live by ourselves. I mean, I, I do live on an island, but you know what I mean. So I really want to thank my cousins, the council of the cousins. You guys know who you all are, everyone in that group, including my sister. And I also want to send a special shout out to two fabulous ladies that I know, Indira and Syl. Um, these women, you know, they would ask me, Deidre, when is your next episode coming out? Or they would give me, you know, little nuggets to incorporate. And I just really want to thank them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much. All right. So let's talk about today's episode. So I wanted to ask myself a question. The question is, you know, that age old question that keeps coming up every so often. And that is, are women the weaker sex? So this question rose up again for me because I had the pleasure of being interviewed by Beaumont Todd. Shout out to you, Beaumont. Um, you guys check out his Instagram page at Changing the Mindset. Um, he has a podcast as well. And he was interviewing me about femininity. And he asked the question. And I must say that when he asked it, I, you know, I got a little... I felt a check. You know what they call a check in your spirit? And you, 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 I got a little triggered. So it, it got the wheels in my brain turning. And I figured, you know what? I need to delve into this topic a little bit deeper to figure out what's going on. So I went back and I realized that I could safely say that I think this is the case for most of us in the Caribbean. Um, I would even dare say maybe black people in general that it originates from a Bible verse. And I thought to read the Bible verse to, you know, give us some context. And for those of you who don't know, it's found in 1 Peter chapter 3. And I'm going to read from verse 3 through 7. All right, and I'm reading from the King James Version. Verse 3, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. He's talking to women now. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Now here comes verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, speaking to the men now, Dwell with them according to the knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Here ends the reading. So now this verse has been used consciously 
and I would even dare say unconsciously to regard women or to view women as lesser because we are, as the Bible verse states, the weaker vessel. But what does that mean, weaker? I want us to go a little bit deeper with this. Because what I really want for us as women, and for me, (laughs) is the next time someone asks us this question or it's brought up in a conversation, that we could release that trigger. We could release that check in our spirit. So I really want to look into what this means and maybe try to understand this from a few different perspectives. So I figured to explore this topic with a level head and, you know, with some logic, I will explore explore this from the biological, the psychological, and the spiritual perspective. For too long, people have held this perspective and they've taken this point of view, you know, women being the weaker sex. And what I find is that people use it as a tool of repression. And for me as a woman, and this is, you know, a sidebar, something I worry about, something I wonder, why repression? Let's just say at the end of this podcast or any any talk you hear about women being the weaker sex, let's just say that it's true. Why choose repression? Why not protect and embrace and care for and, you know, handle delicately with care, you know, side thought. So that may be a topic, uh, a topic that I explore on another episode, but today let's look at Are Women the Weaker Sex? So let's begin. Round one, biology. biologist what can we take from from what Helen said to help us make sense of James's memo James argues accurately that there are differences between men and women this is a strange position to be in to be arguing for something that is so universally and widely accepted within biology what is not as widely accepted is that culture is also evolutionary but I'm going to argue that biology and culture are both evolutionary. Let's look at differences between men and women that are explicitly anatomical and physiological. Are men taller than women on average? Does anyone take offense at that fact? <laughs> are you irritated? There's always so, a stand up. <laughs> so I would say. You could be irritated by it. You could be irritated by the fact that women have to be the ones to gestate and lactate. You could be irritated by a lot of truths. But taking offense is a, is a response that is rejection of reality. So I hope that you enjoyed that clip and that you found it as interesting as I did when I found it. I'm going to give you guys some information and then come back to that clip because what I would like to do is to present you guys with some fun facts on the biological differences between men and women first and then I'll give you my thoughts on that clip so as I discuss these facts (laughs) 
I'm going to use the word on average and usually quite a bit. And the reason for that is you have to think the typical male and the typical female because you know some of them you're going to hear them and be like oh well I know someone who who does this better than a man or you know something in that regard but you have to think the average everyday person all right so here we go here are some fun facts about men and women and their biological differences so here's one men typically have thicker skin by about 25%, they also have higher densities of the protein collagen. The difference in this density goes beyond skin deep. Usually, men also have denser, stronger bones, tendons, and ligaments than women. On average, men typically have more muscle mass than women. And those skeletal muscles are faster and more powerful. But women's muscles more readily resist fatigue and are faster to recover. Okay, that's good. Oh, here's a good one. There are differences in the way male and female brains are structured, how they process information and interact with chemical signals. Some examples, men have more information containing gray matter but women have more white matter, which connects different parts of the brain. Also, women have <laughs> bigger memory centers than men. So I'm laughing because, you know, I've often heard men say how women have this ability to remember something that happened like 10 years ago. <laughs> so now you know why. <laughs> All right, let's do maybe one or two more. Okay, men and women carry different amounts of body fat. The higher body fat in women, about 10%, mostly supports the reproductive physiology. One example is when a woman's body fat gets too low, she stops menstruating. Okay, that's an interesting one. All right, last one. The difference between men and women's size, muscle mass, and calorie needs means men typically require diets higher in protein so there you go so i i have to say that when i go through these little fun facts i mean when it comes to strength men seem to have it um biologically speaking women um as it says here you know we we are more resistant to fatigue of course we know we we reproduce um but in all of the facts when it speaks to strength men have it now i want to talk about that clip <laughs> and i i have to say that when i watched it i was shocked i don't so i don't know that if you if you listen to the clip i what I had said earlier is that I hope you guys picked up on what was going on. While the scientist was giving some scientific facts, there were a couple students in the background that got up and left in protest. And this shocked me. And the reason why was because they were angry and irritated 
by the biological differences that the scientist was talking about. This amazed me. But when I thought about it, in the core of it, it really comes down to fear. And let me tell you why I say it's fear. So I don't know if you guys have heard of, I, I think it's a genetic thing and it's a social thing. And let me say why. So I don't know if many of you have heard about this study that says that you can pass on traumas from one generation to another on a genetic level. All right. They've, they've seen this in black people from what I could recall. I think that there is, and maybe trauma isn't the right word um, when it comes to women, but let's be honest, when it comes to the history of women, women have been repressed. I mean, to the point where in some cultures, if not many, women were considered property. So you weren't even a human, you were a thing. Um, women for many, many years were taught to be, to be silent, that you were less than your male counterpart, that you, you were just less than. And I feel like almost on a genetic, and, and, and before I go there, when you repress something for too long, it's going to find a way to break free. <laughs> And I think that what we are seeing today with the feminist movement, with people like these students who just the very idea that women are biologically weaker than men, it, it moves them into uproar. And I think what it is, it's the repression of generations before us trying to break free. That's how I feel, you know, and, and in today's woman, in cases, extreme cases like what, what, what we saw and heard from the clip is a fear of being silenced and repressed again. So the very idea that someone can even say that women are weaker than men, even if it's from a biological perspective, scares the living daylights out of women some women collectively i want to play another clip of two scientists one is a neuroscientist one um is a scientist who's who has studied hormones and in women and they're going to talk a little bit about that so enjoy this next clip retrace our steps and just get down to the basic difference between men and women now this is amazing that this is a, a controversial area but give me the big picture issue around just acknowledging that there are biological differences between men and women that very likely and in certain well-established cases have psychological consequences what what is the difficulty around admitting this um, well, I'd say that the, one of the key things is that as soon as we start talking about biological foundations, people are going to, like the lay pu public, for example, might, or certain members of the lay public, 
um, might have a tendency to think, oh, okay, biological explanation. I'm going to think about this categorically. If this person's behavior, um, let's say their ability to achieve in the workplace, if, you know, if there's some potential way of understanding some of those, um, the things that drive those people to be particularly good in those professions or just to merely want to be in those sorts of um, professions, as soon as we acknowledge that there's a biological foundation, then that means that, you know, we should confine women or can only think of women um, as, you know, embodying the girlish stereotypes, um, at, you know, that they should be, you know, in the maternal role. And if they try to achieve, they will somehow get smashed up against the um, glass ceiling. And I think that that is a lot of what people are concerned about. And that's a lot of what has delayed our understanding of some of the biological foundations of behavior. And I can certainly speak about that with respect to women and hormones, um, since it's something that I write about fairly extensively in the book. Wow. Yeah. So I'm just going to say this to any of you beautiful men who might be listening to this podcast. Yes, you you are physically stronger. Yes, you got it. <laughs> but let me ask you this, is it possible for you to carry your strength with some empathy and understanding towards the women in your life that's a challenge all right round two psychologically i will introduce the psychological section by playing a clip for you guys by jordan peterson a noted psychologist who's done extensive work and research on the differences between men and women. Enjoy the clip. That's actually something that might be worth just di differentiating quickly because it's actually technically somewhat challenging, but also very much worth knowing. I was debating um, someone on a panel this morning on a TV show, the right stuff, um, and this was a woman who led the female, the, the Women's Equality Party, and she cited some psychological literature that purported to claim that men and women were mostly the same. And that's actually true. We are more the same than different. If you look at our temperaments, there's more overlap than there is variance by a substantial amount. And so even on the temperamental dimensions where there is most difference between men and women, the difference isn't of massive magnitude at the center of the distribution. So for example, women are less aggressive than men, which is by the way why they commit suicide, try to commit suicide more often, but are much less lethal in their actions. That's one example, but there are many examples. If you draw a random woman and a random man out of the population, the probability that the man will be more aggressive is 60%. If you bet on the man, you'd win 60% of the time. That's not a walloping difference. It's not 95% of the time. You know, it's, it's a difference that is substantive. It's significant. It's measurable. But it's not large by the standards by which such things are judged. But that's not the point. The point is, is that most of the activity takes place at the extremes. So out on the tails of the distribution. So here's an example. About 9 out of 10 people in prison are male. Why? Because to be in prison, 
you have to be the most aggressive person, let's say, in a hundred. Okay, those differences at the midpoint are large enough so that if you go out to the extremes, one in a hundred people, you have an overwhelming preponderance of men. And so you can have your cake and eat it too. You can say, well, yeah, broadly speaking, men and women are more the same than different. The, o the overlap is greater than the, than the, than the disjunction. But that's not relevant if what's being selected is often at the extremes, and it often is. So, for example, with regards to engineering, there's a fair bit of evidence that people who are more interested in things than in people become engineers. Now, that's not really going to be, what is that, shocking? Are you shocked by that? You shouldn't be shocked by that, right? You can, you can tell that not only by what engineers do, but you can tell that by how they think, and you can tell that just by talking to them, if you know a bunch of engineers. So, and it turns out that the largest temperamental difference that's known between men and women is actually interest in people versus interest in things. And so it has nothing to do with competence, but it has a lot to do with interest. And because you have to be very interested in things to go be an engineer, because that's all you're going to be doing if you're an engineer, then only those people who are extremely interested in things tend to become engineers. And most of them are men. And that's why even in places like Scandinavia, where a tremendous amount of effort has been put into flattening the sociocultural landscape, and successfully, by the way, there's still a preponderance of male engineers. And there's a preponderance of female nurses. And no matter how much sociological gerrymandering goes, along, goes on, those statistics have remained quite intractable over about a 15-year period. Okay, so psychologically... I took to the internet and I found an interesting article from Psychology Today. Alright, so I'm going to give you a few nuggets from the article and also from another one I found from a research-based internet site called Psychology. Alright, so from Psychology Today, women might have a stronger genetic predisposition to depression. Now, the reason why that happens is because women are more ruminative or ruminative, ruminative <laughs> than men. What is that? So that's just a fancy way of saying that women tend to overthink. Um, we like to reflect. You know, I actually heard someone call me sentimental. And at first I was like, sentimental? I don't know if I'm sentimental. But when I thought about it, I say, okay, I get it. it so in my case... I like to recall memories, okay? So if I have a really great day or a really bad day, I tend to recall the day over and over and over and over again in my head. Um, so I totally relate to this rheumative thing. Um, so we do that a lot more than men. And women also seek help more, you know, hence the higher diagnosis of depression in women. Now, men, on the flip side, according to Psychology Today, will use vices to deal with tough times. So they may turn to alcohol, drugs, um, sex, anger issues. You know, this is how they deal with their problems. On average, remember that word? On average. All right, here's some other, other, other nuggets from a psychological perspective. Women have a slightly better verbal ability than men. Men have a slightly 
better spatial ability so what is that that means that they can um take an image you know rotate it in their head you know look at it from different angles that that's what that speaks to and this is i was pleasantly surprised to read this there is no difference in overall intelligence so on average the average man the average woman you know when it comes to iq they they rank the same you know this is good. So now a direct quote from that website, that research website, Psychology. And it reads like this. Gender differences in personality traits are also small. An analysis by Alan Feingold found that women tend to score higher in anxiety and neuroticism. But they also score higher in extraversion extroversion guys is being linked to positive emotions okay so that's good it means women we we tend to be more happy and carefree yeah so there is some evidence that women experience more emotional ups and downs but these are small differences no more than half a standard deviation or about six percent of the variation among people explained by gender even among adolescents Self-reports of symptoms linked with depression are only about a quarter a standard deviation higher among girls. That's less than 2%. So, from a psychological perspective, I have to say that we are on equal footing. From what I've gathered in my readings, it seems that there needs to be more done, more research done regarding men and their psychological states. I do want to say this one thing, though, because, you know, we, we read about how women have more emotional ups and downs. And even though we are linked more uh, regarding positive emotions, I just want to give another clarion call to my beautiful men. Please stop calling women crazy. I mean, and if you knew the history of men calling women crazy, ah oh boy, it's it's linked to hysteria and even the witch trials of Salem, um, in some regard. You know, yes, women are emotional creatures, but men are emotional creatures as well. Um, yes, women tend to express their emotions more than women. Sorry, women tend to express their emotions more than men. That doesn't make us crazy, y'all, okay? Um, it, it really is my pet peeve when I hear men reduce all the things that women go through emotionally and just say, oh, y'all just emotional. And I've heard that used in such a negative tone when really it should be celebrated because to be honest with you men our emotions are linked to our instinct which when you can tap into your instinct as a woman there's a freedom that you experience there's a confidence that you experience and all of that ladies is linked to us embracing our femininity
So you know what? I know I said earlier that when it comes to the psychological perspective that we are on equal footing, but I am going to reconsider and give this one to us ladies. And let me just explain why. We go through more emotions, or no, no. We go through the same amount of emotions as men, but I believe, and you're free to disagree with me, I believe that it is more healthy to express your emotions and, as research states, get help when your emotions are doing something that you don't want them to do or you just don't understand it. I believe that when you master your emotions, when you're in tap with your emotions, when you use emotional intelligence, when you're not afraid of them, this is strength. This is power. And based on what we've heard so far, I believe women have some edge on the men. So I'm going to take it back and ladies, I'm going to give us the psychological to say that we are not weaker in this regard. So, so far, one point for the men, one point for the ladies. So now let's wrap up with the spiritual perspective. Round three. So, spiritually, remember at the top of the episode, I talked about how we are going to look at this women being the weaker sex from the biological, the psychological, and the spiritual. And honestly, my intent was to release this episode by the second week in July. I had everything laid out. I had an outline. I, I knew what I wanted to do. But when I got to this spiritual piece, I had this pause. And I couldn't figure out what the pause was. And it wasn't until I was in my room doing some introspection that I realized that I can't take five minutes of an episode to really delve into this spiritual side. And guys, I'm back in my parking lot at work doing what I got to do <laughs> recording this episode. So pardon the background noise. The spiritual aspect, just the research that I've done so far, I need a whole episode to explore it a little bit more deeply. So that's what I'm going to do. This is going to be part one. And part two will delve into the spiritual aspect of are women the weaker sex? It, it, yeah, even now as I sit here and I ponder it, I know this is the right thing because I really want to give it justice. You know, we're going to look at Christianity. We're going to look at Buddhism. Maybe we're going to look at, you know, a couple religions and see how women are viewed. So this is part one. Stay tuned for part two. In preparation for part two, 
I wanted to end this episode by playing a clip for you guys by the Reverend Dr. Neil Hamilton. Pastor Hamilton is going to give us a story from the Bible that demonstrates the the power and the impact women have had throughout the Bible. Thank you so much, Pastor Neil, and thank you all for listening. Prophetess Hilda, a woman of wisdom. The love of God had been buried under rubbish and rubble and dust in the house of the Lord. It was discovered by the scribe and the high priest. These men said, we need someone to interpret the word of God for us. So they sought out the prophetess for her guidance and wisdom. This was a rare occasion for women who are not likely to be consulted on spiritual matters. But God used her, filled her with wisdom to do his work. The Bible says that if we lack wisdom, acts of God who gives to all freely. The prophet's wisdom and guidance were embraced, which resulted in a revival in the land. The Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. When we embrace God's word, revival will come. Transformation will come. Restoration will come. There was power in the prophet's message because she spent time with God. Scholars said that she was a woman of prayer. And Jesus said that men are always to pray and not faint. The Apostle Paul told, tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. Hilda, a woman of wisdom. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you continue to journey with me as I continue to discover my femininity. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at realizing underscore femininity for more episode updates and posts about femininity. Talk to you soon.